This is the Ezra Podcast, and this is the post-fight breakdown for Terrence Crawford, Sean Porter, and of course, after every weekend like this, we have answers. You know what I mean? Boxing is like one of the sports, the very few sports, you know, boxing and MMA, they give you actual answers, right? They give you actual answers. You get actual answers to the question. And we were wondering, how good is Terrence Crawford? Is, every, is he everything he's been made out to be, right? And he had two sides of it. Once I said, you know, he's fighting guys that in the PBC wouldn't stand a chance, right? Wouldn't stand a chance against Sean Porter. Wouldn't stand a chance against Keith Thurman. Wouldn't stand a chance against Danny Garcia. Wouldn't stand a chance against Earl Spence. The other side that said he would do this to anyone. He just can't get the competition. He can't get the guys to fight him. He's on the wrong side of the street. So all those, all those problems, all those things, they were put aside on Saturday. And we found out how good Terrence Crawford was. Is. And he's great. And did he have a tough fight? Yes. And going against, you know, and besides what Sean Porter's dad said, Sean Porter's dad slash trainer said, that Sean Porter wasn't 100% prepared for this fight like he was previous fights, I thought that was the best Sean Porter I've ever seen in the ring. And I know we go off of, you know, what we heard and all that, but I'm going to just go off what I see. And what I saw from uh, Sean Porter was an improved fighter. Better technique. Smarter. It wasn't so wide. It wasn't so wild. More controlled. More precise. I I, th- I thought he fought the best fight I've ever seen him fight. And Terrence Crawford still had the performance that he usually has against everybody. Figures you out. Like I told you, he's a he's a baseball batter. The more pitches he sees, the better he gets. And he's precise. And he could do damage with both hands, and he's as good with his left hand as he is with his right. And that's a thing that we look past on a lot of fighters. Like I said in the pre-fight, Caleb Plant, the biggest issue I had with him is he had no right hand. He was all left-handed. And it wasn't just in offense. It was in defense. And it wasn't just in one shot. It was in combinations. Those things add up. Those little things like that add up. And Terrence Crawford is able to do the same damage he can do with one hand with the other. He could put the shots precise on one hand, he could put it on the other. I've seen people critiquing his defense, right? They said that they saw defensive flaws, that they've been there. I don't think there are defensive flaws as far as he doesn't have the technique to do it or the skill to do it. I think it's more of a mentality. It's the same thing I have with Boutenis. The mentality he has of his offense is he truly believes in it. He believes in it more than he believes in anyone else's offense. And when you have a sword and a shield, you'll go 50-50 with them. But when you have a shield and an AK-47, you'll drop the shield. That's what Terrence Crawford has. He has AK-47. He's willing to match guns with anyone. Because he knows his shots are precise and they're going to get there more precise, faster, and heavier than yours do. And the only guy I can see a match in that kind of fight is Boots Ennis. He's the only guy that kind of looks like it. Now, I wouldn't say I picked Boots Ennis in that fight, but he's big, he's powerful, he's fast, and it looks like he has the ammunition to trade with a guy like Terrence Crawford. I wouldn't even pick Earl Spence in that type of fight. I think Earl Spence would have to kind of box his way. I think the best technique for Earl Spence in that fight with Terrence Crawford 
would be to box, kind of like what Sean Porter did. Because, you know, everybody said, what is he going to do with Sean Porter's style? And I told you that that wasn't Sean Porter's best way to win the fight. A lot of people were saying Sean Porter couldn't win a decision in this fight, which I think is ridiculous. I don't understand the logic of, this guy can't win a decision in this fight. I don't get that. Unless you're Dante Wilder and you only have one shot and you rely on your power and you're not a, you know, valiant puncher, then okay. It's really hard for him to win a decision. But Sean Porter's showed that he could box before. He showed that he can flurry before. Showed he could trade. Showed he could fight in the inside. All these things are techniques. And Sean Porter is, is pretty damn good at a lot of things in the ring. And I knew he was going to box in this one. Because I knew he was going to give Terrence Crawford all those looks. And I knew that as he got in there and felt Terrence Crawford's offense when he jumped in, that he would be a little bit more at home with his, with his style. He wasn't going to feel those shots and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to keep going into those. That's why he said at the end of it that Crawford is the best guy he's ever been in the ring with. He's better than everyone because he felt it. He felt the precision. He felt the heaviness of his power. He feels it in the ring with the, everything, the thinking, all that, the pressure of that fight. He feels it. He's telling you. It's honest. And I know that Earl Spence beat Sean Porter, but he didn't beat him like this. He didn't. He didn't beat him like this. And I think that Earl Spence was hit a lot more in that fight than Sean Porter was hit in this fight. And the reason why, you know, this was a more of a boxing fight, because you can't go out well wild like that on Terrence Crawford. You can't, you can't give him all those looks. You can't take all those shots like that. For Earl Spence, he could. Now, did he get dropped in that fight? Yes, because that's what he does, because he punches from too far away. He makes the same mistakes. It was better this time. It was less of it this time, but the mistakes were still there. He still came from far, too far away, came straight, had a uh, state center line. Those mistakes were still there. He still suffered for them. That would be Porter's whole career is later in the fight because he does the same looks over and over again. People get used to the timing and speed of it. Elite fighters do. They're going to catch you. Did we see, did Terrence Crawford look more beatable than ever? I thought it just looked like a Terrence Crawford performance. First few rounds, he figures you out. He starts gaining the speed, you know, starts measuring his shots. I thought... I seen the thing where he said that he, you know, Terrence Crawford's first style didn't work, his second style didn't work, and he had to go to his third. I don't really believe that. I think that it was the same style the whole fight. And he was just gaining the distance. And it was at the points where he would pick it up, right? The only thing that changed was he picked up momentum. He picked up the rate. He picked up the intensity. That's what I thought changed. But I didn't think the styles changed or his technique changed or that he tried to do one thing. No, he kind of just does what Terrence Crawford is creating it on the fly. But he never at one point did he doubt his creativity that was going to come through. And when he feels that, oh, I can get to this guy now, he gets to the guy and he puts it out and he ends the fight and he's done it consistently his whole career. Terrence Crawford didn't need a thousand different looks, but he could give you a thousand different looks. He's an artist in the ring. He's, uh, as Sergio Moro once said, that he's Bruce Lee. And that, you know, that's not a bad comparison to me. He is, a, like Teddy has to say, he's the most natural instincts fighter he's ever seen. This guy is. He's creative. He's He goes in there and he he's painting a picture. He reminds me of uh, John Jones MMA, where John Jones does techniques. And it looks like he just created them there in that fight. He just thought of it while he was fighting. That's what Terrence Crawford is. It's the kind of ability he has. And now this fight and this win, 
right? And this release from top rank where he can go anywhere he wants now sets up the fight with Earl Spence. And I'm, I think Earl Spence would be smart to take another fight before that. I think that Earl Spence should make sure he is completely sharp and he feels 100% what he used to do before he gets in that fight, which it looks like he is. It looks like he's either going to fight Yugas or a tune-up or maybe even Thurman. And I think that's smart. Now, we got to the point where there's a controversial stoppage, right? Because Sean Porter's dad throws in the uh, towel after the second knockdown. Now, it didn't look like Sean Porter was out on his feet. It just looked like he was getting hurt. He was getting dropped. The shots were coming a little more precise, and they were catching his big flaws, right? And Kenny Porter stops the fight. And people were bothered by this, and I was too when I watched it. I couldn't believe it. I've seen some takes that I, I agree with is that, you know, Kenny Porter knows Sean better than anyone. He's trained him his whole life. And we know Sean declines late in fights. He doesn't get better. He gets worse. And the precision of Terrence Crawford, that, who definitely gets better in fights, later in fights. Maybe Kenny just knew that this was a bad combination and could end very ugly. And... I think they knew they were going to retire after this fight. Now, I thought that if they thought they could pull off a win, maybe they could drag that Earl Spence out. But I think the decision was we're coming to an end of our career in this fight. And if the fight was close and he got dropped twice, most likely he was out of it on the scorecards. I think that that had a lot to do with them stopping the fight and saying, well, what does he have to gain by going out in the shield? Not much. Not much anymore. And I think all those things added up to where that stoppage was. And... Like I said, the scorecards, I had Terrence Crawford up by a round going to that. With a round where he's going to drop him twice, maybe even three times, it would eliminate him from being competitive in the scorecards, right? You had any chance of winning a decision. And then where does he go? He goes and tries to get the knockout with a guy like Terrence Crawford. It, he didn't need the damage anymore. It's okay. I just could have did without him saying all that. That, you know, Terrence Crawford didn't train. I mean, uh, Sean Porter didn't train for this fight. He wasn't prepared. I thought he looked damn good, and I just don't think you do that to your son who's... If this is his last fight, and you know that he's going to retire, I don't think you do that to him. I don't think you take that from him or embarrass him like that. When he's a guy that, you know, is known hard worker, uh, known to give 100% in every fight, doesn't ever think he's out of it, always coming, uh, always in an action fight, always in an entertaining fight, you don't do that to him. I didn't like that. Now, he's his dad, so there's a lot of emotion, you know, a lot of frustration, they never did win the big fight, but I just didn't like that. I didn't think that was right. But I, honestly, I think that was the best shot I've ever seen. I thought he looked sharp. And a lot of times, when a guy has been doing training camps that long in his career, he's been fighting that long. He doesn't need the intense training camp. He doesn't. He knows how to fight. He knows what he's bringing to the table. He just needs to get in shape. He needs to get loose. He needs to stay sharp. Terrence Crawford, uh, Sean Porter looked sharp in that fight. You're not going to tell me otherwise. I don't care what he, what um, Kenny Porter said, and he might be right that they didn't train as hard. I think that benefited him. It's just like in UFC, Mac Holloway doesn't spar anymore. I think it benefited him that they didn't. He looked sharp to me. He looked the best I've ever seen him. So now everybody's on Terrence Crawford watch. Who's he going to sign with? I think people are going to be disappointed. I think he might sign with Probellum. And I think... It's not propelled because he feels like they'll match whatever pay they need to make this fight. 
And I think PBC Pro Bam are the only two in the running. But he already has MTK ties, and people were saying that MTK and Pro Bam were connected some way. I don't really know the politics of all that. Um, but they're somehow connected. And if that is the case, and Pro Bam's trying to get something going, signing a big name like Terrence Crawford would mean something, and they might make it very lucrative offer to him. And they don't feel any ties to a network or anything like that, so they could work with PBC to get that fight done. I'm just gonna say it's gonna he's gonna sign Pro Bellum. That's that's my long shot pick. I think he's gonna sign Pro Bellum. And I think we are gonna get Earl Spence. I think Earl Spence is gonna take another fight. And I think that's best because I don't want this fight, when they fight each other, tamper with, oh, it wasn't the same Earl Spence or it was diminished or all these things. I want them to be the two best guys at their best. Don't give me the Terrence Crawford has gotten worse or he's gotten slowed down. I don't see it. I don't see it. A lot of people always try to say that about fighters. I don't see it. When people fall off, they fall off. You see it. I don't see it with Terrence Crawford. I haven't seen it with Earl Spence yet. I want them two to fight, and I know people want it next. They don't want to get ruined like every other mega fight that happens, or supposed to happen at least. But I think we need to see Earl Spence one more time just to remind us, right? Just remind us who he is. Remind us that he, because I see him dropping the pound for pound off of the win for Terrence Crawford of a guy that Earl Spence already beat. I don't get how he drops in the pound for pound. They should be right next to each other, neck and neck, wherever you have them. I don't have these guys over Canelo, that's for sure. I think that when they fight each other, they get to enter the conversation of pound for pound when they fight each other. There's no way off win that win, and as much as I respect Sean Porter, as much as I like Terrence Crawford, that that puts him in the resume with Canelo. It does not. Usyk is the only guy I think that can have that debate. In a way, okay, but I, you, I, you, only the boxing nerds, the boxing nerds can name me the guys in a way is beat. As unfortunate as that is, fame has something to do with it. Notoriety has something to do with it. Let's go to the next fight. We had Demetrius Andrade. This is on a different card. This happened Friday night. Versus Quigley. And Demetrius Andrade, who's never rose to the occasion, in my eyes, on a performance. Not a great finisher. To me, I, I've always, I've openly said he's one of the worst finishers in boxing. I think he has a very limited offense. I don't think it's just going forward. I think it's going backwards as well. And I think that's why he's more successful early in the fight. Because when he loops his shots, people don't expect it. And he's pretty fast. And he's, you know, athletic. And he's, he's got good timing. But the offense is so limited and predictable that as the fight goes on, the guys don't get hit with the same shots over again. So that's why he's unable to finish fights. That he has the shot early, he hurts, hurts people, lands it, and then goes wild, berserk, out of control. Looks like Logan Paul when he fought Floyd Mayweather in the first round. Then you kind of get used to his offense, and he might be winning, but he's not able to land the shots he wants to land. And then it just ends up like the fights like in reverse. It's like a Benjamin Button fight where in the early rounds he's going all out, and then suddenly in like the 10th, 11th, 12th, he's trying to figure you out. Fill around, figure out rounds. It's very strange. Well, he fights Quigley, who Quigley is a C-level fighter. Never made it. Um, got a little bit of Irish backing that, you know, kind of allows Golden Boy to keep him on cards. Main event once in a while on very, very, you know, they're very low-end cards. Who just went to war with Shane Mosley Jr., who... 
I like Shane Mosley Jr. I've actually met him before. I've, I've trained at a gym with him before. He's a very good guy. I think that he could have been maybe better than what his career turned out to be, but he's a limited fighter. And he wants a war with him. And Quigley came in, and everyone should have known how that fight was going to look, right? And Andrade finally gets a stoppage early. And he's calling out everybody, and people are saying, this is why Canelo's avoiding him. And the thing is that Andrade didn't get better at finishing a fight. They found a guy that he could finally finish. That's two very different things. I don't think Canelo's dodging him. I just hope Canelo knows there's no money there to fight him. Now, what do you do with Andrade, right? What does Matchroom do with him? To me, Magia makes the most sense for both ends. That Magia needs the respect of the division. And Andrade needs a name. And Magia has a name. And Andrade has the respect. Doesn't look that's the direction they're going. So Andrade might have to fight his mandatory. Or Matchroom had to get creative and move him up. I don't know. It's a tough spot. David Haney only got a fight really because Ryan Garcia got hurt. But Eddie Hearn didn't lock him into a fight. Took a gamble. Won it, right? Got the fight that he needed with Jojo Diaz for Devin Haney. Might have to do the same thing with Andrade, but there's not a lot of options there. Was it wait for Murata or Triple G to get hurt? I don't know what you do with Andrade. But I know that I, he's not doing anything to really push him in the right direction, right? He's not really doing anything to capture the imagination of the fans. And I know that the boxing Twitter seems to be all about him, but that boxing Twitter is so limited, right? Boxing Twitter is not gonna, boxing Twitter is not gonna make a fight a massive pay-per-view. Boxing Twitter is not gonna put back the millions it takes to make these guys fight. He hasn't caught the casual fan, right? There's no casual fan that's call, uh, screaming for Andrade to fight. And rightfully so. The performances have not lived up to it. And you could say, oh, the, the style that would be Joe Fagnell. You mean the style that Caleb Plant just tried? Who Caleb Plant, I would argue, is better at the style than Andrade is. He's a better boxer, better offense, better offense going backwards. Yeah, that style that he beat. Also, Andrade's not even doing it on 167 where Canelo is. And Canelo's not coming back to middleweight. So why doesn't he just give up middleweight, go to 167, and see who he can fight there? They're not doing that, though. So I'm curious to see where they go with that, because I, I usually have a feel for it. I don't. I think he's have to fight a mandatory, and I think the mandatory is going to beat him. On the undercard of that fight, you had Julio Cesar Martinez fight McWilliams or Royal. And in a fight that I picked McWilliams or Royal to win, and what is a pretty big upset, right? And in the fight, McWilliams or Royal drops Julio Cesar Martinez to the first round. Now I'm feeling good about the pick. But Julio Cesar Martinez is a warrior. He's tough, and he don't mind being in a fight like that. And he drops McWilliams or Royal. And then drops him again. And then a headbutt, or suppose a headbutt, lands. And Royal doesn't seem to have a cut man in his corner. So he takes his headbutt to get the hell out of Dodge in that fight. And I'm sure he's hoping that they get a rematch down the line. But if I'm Julio C running Julio Cesar Martinez's career, I'm not doing that rematch. Because the fight of Julio Cesar Mar Martinez is, they don't have long. It's kind of like a running back in the NFL, honestly. Especially a power back. It's taking a lot of damage. 
It's a shooting star. It's it's not gonna last long. It's Ruslan Provokner. Provokner. I think I'm saying that name right. Those styles, um, the margarita, the damage, it only could take so many shots. And if he's already getting dropped by McWilliams or Royal, it's telling you that you better cash in now. And I think Luis Martinez better cash in now. And I think they, he could have some very good fights with guys like Estrada, Chocolito, um, Sorak, uh, or I'm struggling with names today. He could have very good fights at that weight. But you got to cash in because this isn't going to last long. And it's you, the, that was the warning signs of the wells about to break. You better cash in on his offense because his defense and his chin are not going to hold up much longer. With those type of fighters, you got to know, I need to get the yardage in now. I need to get the touchdowns in now like a running back. Because it ain't going three, four more years. That's what that fight was. Do not fight him against McWilliams or Royal again. There's no need for that fight. Get out of there. Get him some names. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Ezra Podcast.